The reading is taken from the book of Psalms, chapter 119, verses 49 to 88. This can be found on page 619 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions, and they are available at the back of church. Zion, remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. The arrogant mock me unmercifully, but I do not turn from your law. I remember, Lord, your ancient laws, and I find comfort in them. Indignation grips me because of the wicked who have forsaken your law. Your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. In the night, Lord, I remember your name, that I may keep your law. This has been my practice. I obey your precepts. Heth, you are my portion, Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Teth, do good to your servant according to your word, Lord. Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I trust your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep your precepts with all my heart. Their hearts are callous and unfeeling, but I delight in your law. It was good for me to be afflicted, so that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Yod. Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me, for I have put my hope in your word. I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. Let your compassion come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. May the arrogant be put to shame for wronging me without cause, but I will meditate on your precepts. May those who fear you turn to me, those who understand your statutes. May I wholeheartedly follow your decrees that I may not be put to shame. Kath. My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? Though I am like a wineskin in the smoke, 
I do not forget your decrees. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? The arrogant dig pits to trap me, contrary to your law. All your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for I am being persecuted without cause. They almost wipe me from the earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your unfailing love, preserve my life, that I may obey, obey the statutes of your mouth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Nick, thank you very much for reading that. If you have a Bible, it might be useful uh, to keep it open. But as, as we begin, I've got a picture. Uh, it's another, it's almost, it's very similar to Pete's higher or lower, but I'm not going to ask you to guess. Uh, we've got a picture, and this is the crown that Queen Elizabeth was crowned with when she was crowned. That's a lot of saying crowned, isn't it? Uh, it's called St. Edward's crown, and you can see it's got lots of precious stones and gold and, and things and very precious materials on it. Apparently, just the materials, if you were going to try and make another one, would cost you something like £5 million to buy. Then you've got all the craftsmanship, all the work, the actual cost of it incalculable. And the actual original, obviously, you could never really sell. It's so expensive. But in the service, before Queen Elizabeth had that crown put on her head, the moderator of the Church of Scotland gave her this, a Bible, and said to her, your majesty, take this, the most valuable thing the world affords. The most valuable thing in the world, says the moderator of the Church of Scotland, is not that crown that's about to be put on your head, but this Bible, this Bible that has the same words in it that we can hold in our very hands, actually in a physical copy or on a phone or whatever you want, and it's the most precious thing, just as Pete was saying, that's what Psalm 119 says to us. This is the most precious thing. But if you're like me, don't you have a hard time believing that sometimes? Sometimes don't you think that, is it really true? I mean, I know it's the sort of thing we're supposed to say in church, but, but why do I really believe? Well, in our passage today, I think the psalm writer, the songwriter, gives us a few reasons as to why this book, this Bible, God's words, is so precious. In fact, Psalm 119 is all about that. It is an acrostic poem. It, each new paragraph begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, Nick was reading those letters for us as he went through. Uh, very helpful. Um, and it, it's like an A to Z or an Aleph to Tav, which is their version, a Hebrew version of A to Z. It covers all of life. The writer is saying this is valuable everywhere, anywhere, Anywhere you are, this book is precious and it can help you. But in particular, in today's passage, the thing that the Bible really helps with in this section, the thing that God's Word is so precious for, is it's precious when we're under pressure. God's Word is precious when we're under pressure because, I don't know if you picked up as Nick read, but in every paragraph, there is a note of affliction of suffering, of hardship. So verse 51, the arrogant mock me unmercifully. Uh, verse 61, the wicked bind me with ropes. Verse 69, the arrogant smear me with lies. Verse 78, they wrong me without cause. This is somebody who is afflicted, 
persecuted, put under pressure, and familiar with suffering. If it, this is a song, Psalm 119. Well, at this point, the song's definitely going into a minor key, isn't it? It feels dark and heavy and deep and difficult because the writer is struggling with this pressure. And yet, as he's under pressure, as he's afflicted, as he's suffering... He looks to God's word and finds in God's word valuable resources, things that help him, wonderful truths and precious things that God wants to tell him so that he can cope when he's under pressure. And I just want to say at the start, this little section of Psalm 119 doesn't tell us everything the Bible will want to say. So if you're under pressure and you're struggling, this might help, but it might not. The Bible has other things to say as well. But nonetheless, these are precious truths that hopefully can help us when we feel under pressure, when we're afflicted, when we're suffering. And so I want to quickly walk us through five things, one for every paragraph that we just had read. So, uh, and why is it precious? Why is it valuable? Well, the, the Bible, God's Word, teaches us where to look when we're under pressure and how to look there and what to look for. It directs our eyes and it directs our hearts into the right places when we're suffering, when we're afflicted, when we're under pressure. So so first point, the Bible helps us look back at God's story. The Bible helps us look back at God's story. So the first paragraph uh, begins with the key word of that paragraph. Verse 49, remember, remember your word to your servants, Lord's. And then there's various other things that the psalmist remembers. Verse 50, he remembers God's promise. Verse 52, he remembers God's ancient laws. Uh, Verse 55, he remembers God's name. In other words, what the Bible helps the songwriter to do is to look back and remember who God is and what he's done. Probably he would have remembered the great story of the Exodus, where God's people were slaves in Egypt, under pressure, hardship. And God rescued them with mighty miracles and by parting the Red Sea. And then gave them his law to live by and a promise of a new land. And God fulfilled those promises. And as he goes back through the Old Testament time and again, he sees a God who makes good on his promises. That's one reason the Bible's precious when we're suffering, when we're struggling. As we look at it, as we read it, we remember what our God is like, the sorts of things he says and does. We've got his track record here. We can look back at the story God's been telling and comfort our hearts and say, yes, my God keeps his promises. Yes, my God has been faithful down the generations. I can look back at God's story. Maybe you know what it's like to have a friend or a family member, and you know if they say they're going to be there, you can trust them. They will be there. And why do you know that? Because they've got a track record when they've been there in the past. We're starting to see it with our, our young daughter, Sophie. Uh, she, when she gets hungry, she cries, like, like most babies. But it's amazing that as soon as we walk toward the station, the place where we make the bottles up, she sort of stops. It's as if she can remember in her head, oh, yes, when, when Mummy and Daddy go there, that means they're going to bring me a bottle. Well, God's word can help when we're struggling, when we're suffering, as we remember, oh, yes, my God is like that. He keeps his promises. First precious, valuable thing under pressure, the Bible teaches us to look back at God's story. Second, the Bible teaches us to look in 
to our treasure. Second paragraph, Heth, you are my portion, Lord. Verse 58, I have sought your face with all my heart. The next thing the Bible does when we're struggling, when we're suffering, is it restructures, redirects our hearts. Because when we come to the Bible, we suddenly remember, we're, we're told again that that what our hearts should want and long for most of all is, is none of the wonderful things in the world, but the God who gave us those things. He, he alone should be our treasure. It is him we should long for. It is him we should seek with all our hearts. He should be our portion. There are lots of good things in this world that it is great to enjoy. Uh, and the psalmist knows that. Verse 64, the earth is filled with your love, Lord's. But you see what he does is he, he looks around at those wonderful things to love and enjoy in this world. He sees that they've been given by God. And the good things we enjoy, beauty, music, art, sport, uh, whatever it is you love, they're meant to lead us back to the God who gave them. He is meant to be our treasure. And he's the only treasure our hearts can really have forever. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his uh, book, The Weight of Glory, in his sermon, The Weight of Glory, really, really captures this. Uh, and in fact, I think we've got a quotation uh, on the screen. Lewis says this, He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. And throughout the sermon, Lewis is explaining why that is. It's because the good things that we have, yeah, they're, they're fine to enjoy, but they don't last. They wear out. Even silver and gold eventually can get lost or destroyed or spoiled. But if God is your treasure, he will last and stand forever when everything else has disintegrated into dust. And see, the thing is, when you're under, in affliction, under pressure, God's word reminds you that if you're a believer, you have the thing, the one and only treasure that actually lasts, that actually has any eternal value. Look back to God's story. Look in to your treasure because God's word will direct your heart to that thing that will last forever and the only thing, therefore, that can satisfy your heart forever. Augustine said we were made for God and our hearts will be restless until they find their rest in him. Second precious truth when we're under pressure, God's word reminds us to look in to our treasure. Third precious truth, God's word reminds us to look out for God's goodness. And in our third paragraph, Teth, we can see that goodness is the theme. Starts, do good to your servant. Teach me knowledge and good judgment. Verse 68, you are good. What you do is good. Teach me your decrees. And then verse 71, maybe most uh, striking, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. I think this is something that's peculiar to, to Christianity. I think only Christianity says this about the universe and about God and about suffering and, and evil. It says that actually we have a God who is so good, so glorious, so great, that he can turn evil to good. And throughout the Bible, we, we see this time and time again, that people do their worst and throw evil at God, and yet God in his perfect goodness manages to turn it to good. Imagine a fire. Anything you throw into the fire gets hot. Now, different things happen. It might melt, it might burn, it might disintegrate. But anything you throw into a fire gets, got, gets hot. Well, any evil that's thrown at God 
he can turn into good. And we see that throughout the Bible's story. Uh, famously with Joseph and his brothers in Genesis, and the brothers sell Joseph into slavery, and at, at the end they're worried that he's going to get his own back, and Joseph says, I'm not in the place of God. You intended evil. God intended it for good. God took your evil actions and brought about goods. You see it perhaps nowhere more clearly than in the cross of Jesus Christ, where evil and wicked people put Jesus to death, and the result is the salvation of the world. God takes our evil and turns it to good. Now, we need to be careful with this truth. I can't point to any particular bit of evil and suffering that might be going on in anyone's life right now and say, well, well here's the good that God's going to do with that. I, I don't know that. We might never quite find out, but even if we don't, this truth is precious. Why? It means that whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're afflicted with, whatever you're suffering at this moment, you don't have to despair and believe it is hopeless. Because you have a God who is not overwhelmed by this. You have a God who, however desperate and difficult the situation looks, you have a God who has shown that he can take those things and bring good out of them. I don't know about you, but, but whenever I'm encountering something hard, that truth that, that my God can bring good out of this, I don't know how he'll do it, I don't know when he'll do it, but that he can do it is incredibly precious to me. It means I am not hopeless in the face of pressure, suffering, and affliction. It isn't meaningless what's going on. Look back at God's story, look into your treasure, look out for God's goodness. Fourth, look around as a creature. This is the next paragraph, the paragraph Yod. And um, through that paragraph, uh, the, the writer, the psalmist, is looking around. He sees the people who fear God, the wicked who don't care about God. He sees the situations that he's in. But verse 73, the start of the paragraph, is, is the foundation of the whole section. Your hands made me and formed me. Wherever I am and whatever I'm going through right now, Lord, I have to remember, you are the creator, I am the creature. I need to get that relationship right uh, as I face the world and its struggles. And actually, it is an amazing thing that, that God is the creator of, of everything. Um, I just needed to share a few facts with you that I looked up in the last couple of weeks because they, they were amazing to me, so I thought I'll share them. Uh, one is this. Do you know on any average night, you look up in the sky and you see the stars? And I don't know if you've ever tried to count them, but it's a pretty difficult exercise. Do you know that on any given night, the number of stars visible in the sky is 0.00002% of the stars in our galaxy? Let me put that another way. There are half a million times more stars than you can usually see at night in our galaxy. There are 273 galaxies for every person on planet Earth. God made them all. They are there because God calls them each by name. That's just the huge scale of the universe. Now think about you. Your body is filled with DNA. DNA that is coiled up and twisted together and all, all the rest of it. If you don't do this, I don't think you can, but don't do this. If you unraveled that DNA uh, into one long strip, do you know how far your DNA would reach as a human being? It would go all the way to Pluto and back. Just read verse 73 again. 
your hands made me and formed me. Think about what went into that. Think about the size and the amazing scale of our God. He is the creator, we are the creature. And that is important for us always to remember. He has arranged this world the way it is. And so verse 75, I know, Lord, that you are righteous, and in faithfulness you have afflicted me. He doesn't have answers at this point in the psalmist. He doesn't say, well, it's happening because of this or because of that. He just says, look, you're the creator. I'm the creature. I, I need to humbly accept my position here. Okay, so there are four truths for you. You can look back at God's story, his track record of keeping promises. You can look in and see that your heart is supposed to treasure him most of all and you can't lose him. You can look out for his goodness and see the ways that God has turned evil to good. You can look around at the whole amazing universe that's been made and and get your rightful place as a creature and him as the creator. You can do all of that. And hopefully, one or more of those will help you. Just, just to process when things are hard, when you're struggling, when you're suffering, when you're under pressure. Hopefully, th- those truths, I have found them personally helpful at times. Hopefully, you will too. Uh, but this is why I love this section of Psalm 119. Even if all that leaves you feeling cold, there's one more precious thing. Look up when you fall. You see, even the person who wrote this psalm, who was reminding himself of all these truths, look at verse 81. My soul faints with longing for your salvation. Verse 82, my eyes fail looking for your promise. Verse 84, how long must I wait? Even knowing all those truths, sometimes you feel like that. Sometimes you're going to suffer and struggle, and it's just going to feel like I'm, I'm at the end. I've fallen down. I'm broken. Even believers, even the person who wrote this psalm, can still have questions, knowing all those truths, and can still feel in that deep pit. But here's the wonderful, precious truth. Even when he's come to the end of all his reasoning, all his logic, all his arguments, applying all his theology, he still knows there's a God there to cry out to. Even when he feels at, his bottom, uh, at the bottom of his, uh, his self, at the deepest pit, He's still calling out to God. He's still saying, in your unfailing love, preserve my life. You see, because at the end of the day, yes, the Bible does give us um, truths to cling on to. But much more than that, it gives us a God to cling on to. It gives us someone there to hold our hands in the dark. When the reasons and the arguments reach their ends, ultimately what you need is someone you know who is there to hold you. Someone whose unfailing love will never let you go. And God's word and Psalm 119 remind us, however we're feeling, we'll go up and down at times in our life. God is there to catch us, to preserve us, no matter how dark things get. And that's the ultimately most valuable thing about God's word. The reason it is the most precious treasure of all. Yes, it, it gives us fantastic um, truths that help us see the world in a, in a more helpful way, I think. 
But beyond all that, it's the word of a God who loves us, holds on to us, and keeps us safe in his unfailing love and promises to do that forever. And he will hold on to you when you've lost the strength to hold on to anything. So look back at God's story. Look in to your treasure. Look out for God's goodness. Look around as a creature. But, but maybe most of all, when you fall, because we all do, look up. And remember your God is there still. God's word is precious under pressure. Most of all because it helps us look to the love of the Lord who never lets us go. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing in a moment uh, a great song which might embed that truth a bit more deeply. Uh, a song that reminds us to look not to ourselves or our own strength, but to God and the Lord Jesus Christ who provides all the strength that we need now and for eternity. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your precious word. Thank you that it is valuable when we are struggling, suffering, afflicted, and under pressure. For those going through that right now, may those truths help. May your spirit take them and encourage them. For those who maybe aren't feeling that right now, may, may these truths be preparing us for those seasons in life which will be more painful and more difficult. And help us to hold on to your word because it helps us remember that you are the one who holds on to us. We thank you for that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.